This call is being recorded. You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast from the Locked On, your daily podcast on the Cleveland Browns, uh, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. I actually had the toffee almond with breakfast this morning. I'm trying to cut out because I'm eating way too much, too many scrambled eggs, too many breakfast meats. So I went with the toffee almond Built Bar with coffee this morning. Started with a nice little rush. Maybe it was that. Maybe it was the coffee. Either way, worked out well. Make sure you go over and check out BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKEDON to get you $10 off your first box. Sitting down today with, from the Stick to Football podcast, part of Bleacher Report. He's been on before. Fellow Jersey guy like myself, Mr. Connor Rogers. Connor, before we get into this, how you holding up? And look, for all of us, we've never been through something like this. And this was by far the most different draft season we've ever had. So some thoughts on how you're doing and just how about this draft season went for you guys over there? Well, I'm good, Jeff. I mean, obviously, most importantly, healthy, uh, families healthy and, you know, things like that I don't take for granted. And I think when you look at the draft season as a whole, it was definitely different. I mean, covering the draft live, that didn't stop for us at Bleacher Report. We just did a home production. And uh, fortunately, we had the tech capabilities, thanks to a great production team at Bleacher Report, to pull that off. But to pull that off, it, it added a lot of wrinkles into the process for me. I mean, usually March and April uh, are the two months of the year where I, I get shutdown time, where I'm not flying every weekend for work, and I get to sit and catch up on film. And while I had plenty of time to do that this year, especially once the city went into a lockdown mode, you know, there was also a lot of other things on my plate. How do we prepare for something like this? How do we fully run a production remotely from a ton of different locations? We were still doing stick to football not only on video, but then we converted to being a live show in the app, which was our plan before the lockdown occurred. And we were able to, you know, still pull that off before the draft. So a lot of things like that take a a lot of time that people don't get to see, whether it's rehearsals, whether it's tech setup, whether it's learning new things, uh, doing a lot of things, you know, sprinkled in with the typical grading players, building a board, uh, going through team needs, going through research to cover all the rounds live. So it was really different. Uh, honestly, as you know, even though it sounds like a lot, I'm really thankful for it because, you know, there was that six week stretch where, uh, you know, it's just, it was a good distraction in a, in a way. And even the last week and the next week ahead, we'll be continuing grades and, and then maybe a little tiny break and then start looking at some players for next year's draft. So I'm thankful for the work. I'm thankful that the draft still happened. And, you know, once again, I'm I'm looking forward to, you know, hopefully in, there's some kind of way where we're talking about actual football games this season. Uh, I 100% agree with you there. And it was funny with the amount of people we talked to during draft season. And a lot of it was, well, you know, I'm used to being really busy at home between March and April, but I'm not really totally. used to my entire family being here all day long with me as it goes <laughs> yeah, on. Yeah, I don't have to worry about that, thank God. <laughs> yeah, so definitely some, you know, just some, you know, and obviously, you know, for everybody with kids and stuff, it will, Dad, can you help me with my algebra problem? guess I have no choice here. All right, we'll pause on the tape here and we'll go back and take care of that real quick. Uh, the Browns draft class. And for most of us to cover them predominantly, we were pretty surprised with the seven selections they had that it ended up being more offense than defense. Uh, obviously started with uh, Jedrick Wills, um, went to the defensive side of the ball on day two. Uh, I think day three, they went into the game plan of, look, it's guys on our board. If they're available, it doesn't matter. We're going to go ahead and, you know, basically, you know, pull the plug, so to speak. Harrison Bryant, tight end, Florida Atlantic. Uh, then, obviously, Nick Harris out of Washington. Donovan's people, uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones 
Uh, I was surprised they went that deep on offense, but I guess if you look at it, the boss is the head coach, offensive-minded guy. I guess he felt he wanted every piece possible. But give me some thoughts here You know, uh, on the four offensive selections Cleveland made in April. Well, let's start, our, start off with the obvious and a guy that uh, definitely surprised me that he was there, and that was the 10th overall pick in Jedrick Wills. So this was my top tackle in the class. And, you know, somebody that when you go through all the mock drafts, you go through all the scenarios, it was kind of hard to envision him not only falling to the Browns, but there was so much chatter about the Browns potentially moving out of this pick when a player of his status fell that far. You were wondering, hey, are the Browns going to get some kind of godfather offer where they're more comfortable with a tackle later down the board in this class, and they'll move out just because Wills has played so much right tackle at Alabama, protecting Tua's blind side because Tua's a lefty, obviously. So, you know, there was a couple surprises. One here that Wills was there. Two, that the Browns, you know, not shocked the Browns took him because he's such a good player. And he's been very vocal that he's been working on the transition to the left side. They obviously went out and gave Jack Conklin a decent amount of money to start on the right side. And Wills, you know, even before he was taken by the Browns, he came on sick of football and told us, listen, guys, I'm, I'm training to play on the left side. I could, I could really feel like I could eventually play anywhere. So for the Browns, I, I love this pick. I, I think when you look at it, Wills is a great run blocker. I think his athleticism and pass protection is very clear on tape. His ability to mirror pass rushers. I think even when he looked like he got beat, he, able to re- he was able to reset himself. I think he has the counter strength to reset himself. Good anchor. So I think when you look at Wills, he's nasty, really nasty and tough. Uh, he was just a really too good of a player to pass up in this spot. And now you look at the Browns across the board, and what was probably I would consider a weakness last year looks like a strength on the tackle spots, especially in a run scheme where there's going to be a lot of pressure on those guys to open up lanes, uh, not only inside but also outside. And I think that kind of ties in with another late pick here and a guy like Nick Harris who – you know, am I expecting him to be a plug-and-play starter as a day-three pick? Not necessarily at all. He needs to get bigger. I think he needs to put on more muscle mass, and he definitely needs to improve his anchor and pass protection. But he's somebody that is such a good, good run blocker on the move. He's so quick after the snap, great feet. And that's something that I think kind of made him be one of those guys. While we all knew he was going to be a day-three pick because of his size and limitations, in a very specific scheme fit kind of guy, Uh, there's value and potential as him as a a starter down the road. And then, you know, you look at Harrison Bryant, uh, this is kind of, you know, right where I I would expect him to go. I wasn't super, super high on him, but I think he could be a short area pass catcher. And I think in this offense, there will be a role for someone like that. It feels like the Browns have put a lot of, you know, safe options around Baker Mayfield when earlier it felt like they stacked a lot of downfield options for Baker Mayfield. When you look at going out and getting Odell Beckham and, now you look at this offense and, you know, they're going to use a fullback. They have short area of the field pass catchers that aren't just Jarvis Landry. You, you have Harrison Bryant. You feel like you could throw to your running backs. You're obviously going to run the ball a ton with Nick Chubb and adding in Austin Hooper as well. And then when you look at Harrison Bryant, when they made this pick, something I said was it felt like they were kind of looking down the road a little bit saying, hey, you know, this is our backup guy for Hooper. We feel like the play style can be very similar And if he works out, maybe we get out of the Hooper deal two years down the road because we've developed and feel great about Bryant. It's the flyer. And if not, Hooper, I think, is on a not a really ridiculous deal by any stretch of the means. He's a good pass catcher. You're going to rock and roll with him. And it's good to have reserves with how much injuries take place in the league, especially the middle of the field pass catchers. You know, a guy like Hooper, that's going to be his role. So 
I liked what they did. Donovan Peoples-Jones was one of the best value picks for me in this draft. I had him as a late third rounder. They got him in the sixth. I think he's an athlete. That's what you're betting on. I think the question a lot of people had with him was, while you're developing the athlete that is Peoples-Jones, are you going to get anything out of him on special teams? That's what teams are really wondering. So he's a good jump ball guy in the red zone. He's very, very explosive. He is he really needs a lot of work in his routes. There's just no consistency in his routes. There's a lot of wasted motion in his routes. But he was someone I saw, and the reason I had him three rounds earlier than the NFL apparently did, is that I thought there was a lot of meat left on the table because his quarterback just wasn't any good, Shea Patterson. So for the Browns that have starting wide receivers already to get DPJ and kind of look at him and go, hey, you know, maybe we use you in the red zone. Maybe we, you know, we hope that you continue to develop a full tree. That's a really good value pick. So when you look at what they did on offense in this draft, starting with Wills, which is by far the most important piece, combined with their free agency and combined with all the additions they made, you know, for what Stefanski wants to do on offense, I really, really liked what they did. Uh, they were really, it's, you know, and it's not surprising, obviously, you know, they were really smart and educated with, with what they did. You know, the tackle play, the whole plan in 19 was, well, if Greg Robinson and Chris Hubbard can just do what they did for the second half of 18, which is something they had never shown in their, either one in their entire careers before, guess what? It didn't resurface in 2019. The tight end position, they come the end of the year, they were down to an undrafted free agent in Steven Carlson. And a guy that they had picked up on Labor Day weekend in Ricky Seals-Jones. So obviously the importance of that position to them, they certainly went ahead and put effort into it here. Nick Harris, I have a feeling, is going to work in two ways. He's going to be groomed to hopefully one day possibly be the eventual predecessor to J.C. Treader. Also, they're not solidified totally yet at right guard. And Harris may be a little bit small for the position, but if he can go in there, do good enough, it might be enough to offset Wyatt Teller, Drew Forbes. Um, one of the things that Donovan's people is Jones when the when it came out, <clears throat> and I had you know some folks that used to work with the Michigan program said one of the thing with Donovan is as intelligent as a young man he is, it doesn't always translate to the football field. You know, and the term they used was you know sometimes he needs to work smarter, not harder. And we get into that with these guys with the routes where it's you know they want to break people's ankles as opposed to just doing the basic ABCs of the route, hitting their mark, making their cut hard, and not confusing the quarterback as far as timing. If he can pick that up, you got great value here, no doubt whatsoever, in the sixth round. Um, but you're also gambling on a great athlete, <clears throat> an intelligent young man, and God knows anybody anybody really right now kind of needs to just get the heck out of Ann Arbor. <laughs> oh, without a doubt. I think when you look at it, you know, he's somebody that got there with a ton of expectations, right? A lot of people were really excited about him coming out of high school. So I think when you look at it, you know, once again, I'm a little surprised he fell this far. I like betting on athletes in the sixth and seventh round rather than guy, or, you know, I understand drafting special teams guys there too, but you always like betting on athletes in the sixth and seventh round that you feel you can get more out of them in your program than what they were getting out of them in their previous program. So that's a good strategy. And that's a really, really good sign. And, you know, for a regime that when they made the hire in Andrew Barry, I know myself, I definitely had some questions or skepticism as, you know, is this somebody that's ready for that? And I think this was a great display to show, hey, I, I'm ready to go. I learned a lot in Philly. Uh, you know, I've been around regimes that have had success. I've been around regimes that have failed. And I've taken, you know, a lot of learning from both of those things. And I think once again, you know, everything that's going to be on Baker Mayfield this year, there's no doubt about that. It's, you know, that's where the conversation is going to start and end. But everything they put in between him to succeed this year has been really spectacular in my eyes.
I was really impressed with how they put it together. And the other thing is they came into this draft with seven selections. The last selection was going to be late in the seventh round. The way they manipulated, they still got seven picks, and the last one was in the sixth round. thought they played the game well there. We're going to get some more here with Connor Rogers of Stick to Football from Bleacher Report here in just a minute. We'll start talking about the guys on the defensive side of the ball here. The best tasting bar. It's hard to explain until you've experienced it. Real chocolate, amazing flavor, with nuts, without nuts. So if you have a you know nut allergy house in I understand. Go ahead. Bill Barr's got you covered either way. I'm using the line, the day and age of having it to have a bottle of water to wash down your bar over. Not gritty, not an aftertaste, just good. Actually, kind of like a candy bar. My kids have, sam- uh, have sampled Bill Barr. They kind of thought the same type of thing. So pleased that they are you know, joining us here for uh, at, over at the Lockdown Network. Amazing combination of low calorie, high protein, and low sugar. No crazy additives. If you compare it to the most uh, popular men's bar, it is half the calories, seven times fewer carbs, seven times fewer sugar grams, and more protein. How can it be that good for you and taste that good? I don't know. That must be the secret over at Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKDOWN and get $10 off your first box at BuiltBar.com. And one of the coolest things about this is you can order a variety pack and pick the flavors you want. Normally, you'll just get the variety pack. Uh, with over 16 flavors at Built Bar, you can customize your box here. Again, promo code LOCKDOWN at BuiltBar.com. Now, Connor, in the second round, I mean, uh, day two, I should say, uh, d- defensive heavy. Um, I-, I love the fact that they went into day two with Grant up in their sights. Even at 41 and the tiniest of trade backs, and this is one of the things that impressed me is normally a new regime, you're going to play it safe here. You know, they read the board well. They saw it wasn't, you know, going to be in front of them. We can still maybe get our guy at 44 and still, you know, get, make a move here, get an extra pick in here. We'll be able to get Grant Delpit. Jordan Elliott out of Missouri. Jacob Phillips out of LSU. Obviously, LSU, big schools, uh, Power Five conferences was part of what they look for in this, you know, this first draft class for this regime. So some thoughts here on the defensive prospects that they were able to acquire on night two of the draft. Yeah, when you look at it, I mean, they obviously, like you said, Jeff, they went defense, defense, defense on on day two. It's a, a second round pick, two third round picks. And uh, I, I really like Grant Delpit. You know, I vouched for Grant Delpit. I thought this year he his, his play definitely fell off a cliff. There's no doubt about that. I had him as, you know, top 10 player coming into the year. And he finished as my third safety, which is still really good. I mean, I only had Winfield Jr. and Xavier McKinney ahead of him because you're betting on a bounce back for Delpit. You're betting on that, you know, when you look at it, the ankle really was bothering him. So I had him as my 50th overall player. It's near right where they took him as they take him 44th. So no problem with where they selected him. And I think the Browns are going to be ready to put him in a role where he succeeds. I think when you look at the plays he made closer to the line of, the line of scrimmage, especially as a sophomore, did a really, really nice job. I do think he's a good athlete. And he has to clean up the tackling because if you're a player that makes all of your plays, you know, coming downhill, then you need to be a good tackler. Otherwise, it's generally useless. So I, I do think Delpit bounces back. I look at that sophomore year tape. I, I like what I saw. He could play out in the slot. I thought he's a really high instincts player. Uh, he's somebody that, you know, has the body type you look for at that position. I do think you could use him in a lot of roles. I actually think he's, you know, he was decent in coverage, especially as a sophomore, and, and he doesn't really get spoken about enough. He's not perfect in coverage. There's no denying that. But I just think this was a good – the Browns need the safety. We all were talking about safety to them. You know, Antoine Winfield was a popular name for them, a player – I obviously valued as high as anybody coming into this draft cycle. We all knew McKinney wasn't going to be there. 
you know, at this pick that he actually fell further than a lot of us thought. I wouldn't have liked them to just bet on an athlete like Duggar or, or Jeremy Chin, who, you know, Duggar obviously was already off the board anyway to New England. So I think for the Browns here, this was in this pick, this was a good move. Uh, once again, I vouch for that Grant Delpit is going to bounce back. Do I think he's going to be the superstar that once a lot of people, including myself, projected him to be? I, I'm not there, but can he be a, a very solid starter for Cleveland's secondary and somebody that does make a lot of explosive plays closer to the line of scrimmage? I do think that. So this was a rock solid pick. And then you get to a guy like Jordan Elliott, where it's a lot of the same in terms of just being flat out rock solid, where the upside here in this defensive line. Now, defensive line surprised me a little bit. I don't, Jeff, were the Bra- were you Browns guys? Surprised about D-line in, in round three here? We weren't because now this has been something we've been talking about. And this was the days after the Baker draft. It was you were so thin on the interior. But on its surface, uh, Larry Ogunjobi is, is on the last year of his contract. Andrew That's Billings was point. only brought in on a one-year deal. And Sheldon Richardson's contract, the way it was constructed, it is essentially a two-year deal. The Browns do hold the control. But essentially, Jordan Elliott could be the only defensive tackle on this roster for 2021. Okay, so that's that's a great point then, especially with Ogan Joby, because I just don't know if they're going to pay him, especially when you're going to have money tied up in. He gets you know, slimmer of, every year, things. Connor. He's starting to get the build of an edge, but he's not an edge, and he's got this whole yeah. campaign about you know youth obesity, and that's fantastic. But uh, I certainly believe this franchise would love it if he were about 15 pounds heavier. <laughs> yeah, I think he wants to be Aaron Donald, which I don't I don't blame him if that's the God case. bless you. But sacks get 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 these guys paid so. That's where I tie into why I like the Jordan Elliott pick here. I, you know, I thought they'd go D-line eventually, but, you know, this was a little early, and it's good that they did because there just weren't a lot of defensive alignment in this class that I thought – on the interior – that I thought were very good or could be very good. And Elliott falls into that small group of players. I mean, when I look at how, you know, I had it ranked, I had him projected – I had him as a top-of-round four grade. So him going in the third round makes a lot of sense because the way I do grading is – you know, guys can go anywhere from one to two rounds higher where their grade goes, and that's still that's still fair value. I think he's somebody with a lot of pass rush ability, which is why he got drafted in this spot in the top 100 because he's somebody that a ton of effort, uh, a lot of speed and power. He has both. I think he has very, very active hands. I think he's somebody that he played on a team where it's like, all right, you know, how much – Mizzou is just – Mizzou is difficult because they, they do put out NFL players every year. But you never look at a Mizzou squad and go, man, like you never look at them and go, hey, that's, a, that's an NFL factory right now. It always is you're picking your spots. There's maybe one player on the offensive side of the ball, one or two guys on defense. So that means those guys get a lot of attention drawn to themselves, where areas in Alabama or a lot of different – I mean, I can sit here and go through them, Ohio State, Clemson. Those guys, you know, you got to pick your poison in a sense. So Elliott, he was kind of the dude. So when you watch him, a lot of attention drawn his way. Thought he did a really good job. Play strength was very good in my eyes. I felt like he's somebody that can control his gaps if you ask him to do that. He's somebody that will give you some juice shooting gaps if you need to do that. You know, kind of that poor man's Matabuke, uh, an interior player I really liked in this class that, that goes to Baltimore that just seems to uh, develop interior defensive linemen with ease every single year after year. So for the Browns here, I thought this was a good pick. I think Jordan Elliott is somebody that – his ceiling is higher at the next level. And it, with that group, this is a good year for him to work in with that group and get one-on-one matchups and hopefully convert them to, you know, pass rush production. And then the last pick, the one that, to be blunt, I liked the least of the three here on defense, just because I thought this was early for Jacob Phillips. And 
it was kind of funny to me. This is how the draft, this always happens, you know, a year with the draft. Like, you go into it and you go, man, I really like this guy as my, like, day three guy. Like, round five, round six. Someone's going to take him and he's just going to quietly be an average starter for, you know, five to eight years. Which is, if you get that in round five or six, that's like a slam dunk. That's like, just round five and six picks just don't even really make it a lot in the NFL. So, if you get an average starter out of that spot for that long, that was kind of how I viewed Phillips. I was like, he's somebody that I would, I would roll the dice on in round five when I thought a lot of teams would take him in round six. The Browns took him in round three. So I felt good about the player all of a sudden. I just thought this was early because you look at him, he's a good tackler, right? I think he's a, you know, a good tackler, um, a very disciplined player or something I noticed with him. Like in that LSU defense where you have all these superstars and, you know, some players are given more freedom than others to run around. Phillips was kind of a guy that, if the run game was funneled to him, it felt like he always made the tackle. If the run game wasn't funneled to him, he was somebody that can do cleanup duty and, you know, get down in the hole and, and go head on in the hole. He has enough play strength, I think, to do that. You know, the size is good when you feel about how the frame's going to fill out. He's, he's 6'3", and it felt like he was always playing around 225. I think in the NFL, you know, with somebody with that frame, he's going to play at 240. So you like the size. He moves well enough. I thought the short area – movement was pretty solid to be honest with you he's played against the best there's no doubt about that uh tons of special teams you know experience already so that's that's another thing that i've noticed that with teams when you take a you know a defender in the third round that you don't necessarily ask to start instantly or might be a sub package kind of player can he play specials while you're getting him ready for that role and that's something that's great about phillips so you know they went to the lsu uh well twice here on day two and with Phillips, love the player, didn't love the value, and that's okay. I mean, GMs are going to have their guys. So, with the Browns here, they hit on their needs. They got players that I think will be very, very solid early on. They're not guys that you're shooting for the moon or guys that you just can't have out there because they're not disciplined yet. I mean, two of the guys are from a championship program. Let's not forget that. Meanwhile, the other guy, once again, was was really consistently one of the best players on his teams for the last his team the last two years. So. I really like what the Browns did. I'm not just saying it because I'm on the show. I mean, we grade every single draft. And when we graded the Browns draft on the latest Stick to Football Live on Bleacher Report, I gave them a B plus just because – and I don't just hand out A's left and right. It's not like that. So a B plus because it just felt like they got starting talent over and over again. And then they kind of capped it off with two guys that I think could develop into starters on day three and Nick Harrison, Donovan Peoples-Jones. It's just kind of a wait-and-see approach with those guys. Uh, they certainly put themselves in a great position. And the funniest thing with Grant Delpit, and yes, if there's a little, you know, Bayou Bengal essentially now up here in Berea with obviously Odell Jarvis. Um, but Delpit, it, it was so similar to Greedy Williams, like just the entire process. You know, they each started off their final year, top 10, slam dunk. And then even we were talking about, oh, they'll never be there. And then all of a sudden, you know, almost as each month went by, they kind of dropped 10 and then another month, another 10. And now it's, well, I, you know, it's really hard to get Greedy Williams in round one. It's really hard to get Grant Delpit in round one. So both of those guys kind of had very, very similar pass. Um, Elliot, we talked about, there may not be much here for 2021. Effective against the run, effective against the pass. And like you said, it'll be interesting where he's going to be the, you know, the least, fo- I mean, if he's out there and it's going to be Miles Garrett, Olivier Vernon, or Claiborne, and, you know, with Sheldon Richardson, you know, <laughs> You're going to pick your poison, and it's not going to be the rookie Jordan Elliott out of Missouri, that's for sure. Phillips was a guy I liked, and similar to what you said, and you know, as far as day three, I, I kind of felt that's where it went. But after 
round one and as many linebackers went in round one, which I certainly wasn't expecting those amount of names. It was like, well, no, these guys are going to start to climb up here a little bit because it's going to get to the point of need. And for me, one of the reasons I liked him, and this is one thing I took for two and a half years covering this team is you love Joe Schobert. He misses tackles everywhere. Da, 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 da. And everybody wanted to scream and yell about Jacob Phillips. And then the information starts to come out. Well, if you want to talk about linebackers, here's one guy that doesn't really miss any tackles. So, you know, fans are always funny and fickle that way because it's like, guys, you yell at me for years because Joe Schobert misses a ton of tackles. Now you're complaining about a guy they just drafted and guess one of his calling cards is if he's there, he makes the tackle. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm with you all the way. I think when you look at it, they wanted a disciplined player at the position. And I think another thing that a lot of people, and I'm guilty of this too, when I sit here and complain about the value of the spot, you know, when a day starts to wrap up, Jeff, in the Browns eyes, so that was the 97th pick in Phillips. And then they were back on at 115. Do I sit here and think, yeah, you probably could have got Phillips at 115. I, I do. But if you like the player a lot, you don't want to leave that day with the unknowing feeling. You don't want to go into the next day and go, man, we're going to sit here. We're going to wait. We're going to hate it. It's going to be, you know, we're not going to be sure if this guy, this guy is going to follow us again. We really like the player. Let's just take him now. We don't want it to deal with the maneuvering around and try to get back up to get him. So, yeah, I totally respect those kind of ways and those kind of – and that happens with picks every year across the board to all kinds of teams. So, you know, if, to me, was it a reach? Sure. Will he be a solid player? Yeah. So, at the end of the day, you know, it might be something that we don't even end up talking about in the future. Uh, most certainly. And, you know, and it's, and it's weird because their linebacking group is still very weak. But it's just from everything they've shown here and the amount that were available in free agency and the amount of linebackers that were available early in this draft, it's just not something they value, which screams to me there's going to be a lot of nickel. There's going to be a ton of dime. It's the way they're going to approach things in Cleveland this year. And I think a lot of it's going to be because of Lamar. And the fact is going to be there's not many linebackers in the NFL that can run with them. You're going to go with what the Chargers did that first playoff game, Lamar's first playoff game, and say, well, at least let's try to match speed, at least get as close as possible to it. You know, linebackers that run four six four seven, it's just not going to get it done. Um, yeah, the D-backs, you know, they may get beat up here, but at least they can try and run with them while they're running four fours, four fives. And so I definitely think that's part of their approach there. Got one more thing we'll get to here with Connor Rogers here in a second. Locked on Browns, special edition on this Tuesday for everybody. Guys and gals, start the competition today with people important in your mom's life. Mother's Day is her Super Bowl. So celebrate this Mother's Day, which is a, probably a really, really important Mother's Day, guys by scoring her her favorite gift of the day. Your mom will be able to travel in her mind to exotic India, sample the food, and laugh at the perils of raising a teenager in 1950s India through a new book of fiction called The Henna Artist. By the way, Reese Witherspoon's books, uh, books Club's pick for the month of May. Then anytime in May, post a picture of your mom or you holding the ebook or the book on Instagram or Facebook and tag the author, the Alka Josh, uh, Joshi, uh, a donation of four meals per post, up to 10,000 meals will go to Feeding America. So guys and gals, buy The Henna Artist today at your favorite bookseller, including Barnes & Noble, Amazon, Walmart, Costco, and Target, and make mom the ultimate winner in your family. Connor, I know it's a little early, but look, you guys, you know, normally this time of year, you're wrapping up 20 drafts, slowly opening the book to 20, maybe getting some vacation time in, cooling the jets, but we can't go nowhere. Um, Wi-Fi is still capable and working. Some names, position groups for 2021, Connor. Oh, I think for me, it's the wide receiver group again. It really is. And I've only started to crack into 2021 on the very surface level of it. 
But you watch some of these corners from this last class, and you're seeing some of the young guys pop up for next year. I mean, we know about Jamar Chase, Justin Ross, Jalen Waddell, Devonta Smith. You know, those guys are going to be superstars. I love what they bring to the field. And then you have Rondell Moore, somebody that I think can have a huge year. Jeff, I know you'll like this one. I watched Tamori on Terry from Florida State. And, you know, this is somebody I got to see, uh, you know, I got to see during the 2018 season when they played against Miami. I was down there for that game. And I was like, man, this dude jumps off the jumps off the field here. And then I watched him against Bryce Hall. And if he had a quarterback that could throw him the ball, he would have got Bryce Hall a couple of times. So I think Perry is somebody that is not getting enough love. I think it's a big boost, you know, that he'll be back at the Florida State program. There's just a lot of receivers that I already like in this class. And, you know, I don't want to sit here and go through a giant list, but uh, it's just a really good group. It's a strong group again. I think the running backs is a very top-heavy group. You look at Chuba Hubbard's a player, Najee Harris is a really impressive player. Uh, you know, it's just – it's a it, Travis Etienne is the best back of the group. Which it's incredible he went back to Clemson. Uh, you know, when you look at it, we're going to talk about the quarterbacks, which is always fun, Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence, Trey Lance. It's a pretty fun underclassman group for the quarterbacks. It's not a good senior group, which is going to create an interesting dilemma because, you know, usually at the senior bowl, we have, you know, two guys, I think, every year that we feel excited about or we look forward to watching. Even, you know, this year we had Jordan Love and Justin Herbert. They're both first-round players. And if Joe Burrow didn't play 8 million games this year late into the college football season, he would have been there too. I just don't see that kind of group this year. So I'm very interested to keep an eye if the senior group can get any better. Uh, it's exciting, man. It really is. I mean, I got into the edge group a little bit, you know, just from watching all 22 once again of the guys with landing spots against their best matchups of players that are going back to school or players that didn't have a choice. They weren't draft eligible yet. So it's fun. Uh, you know, we're going to have a lot of time to to get through it this summer and do a watch list. And, you know, once again, I'm very curious of how this college football season is going to shake out. What's the deal with the supplemental draft, the impacts it'll have, because I'll say, you know, I don't, I don't want to speak to whether there'll be football, whether it's NFL college or anything like that, but it just creates more of a discussion of how interesting uh, this entire, this entire prospect pool for 2021 is going to become. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's a huge thing to even consider. And it's just in every facet of life. Um, you know, my girls now sixth and seventh grade, they finished school this year on March 16th. Granted, they're still doing schoolwork, but not physically going back to school, you know, as far as when and where sports will return. Um, there's just so much kind of on pause right now. And, you know, I guess we have to get to the point where we can actually release the pause button before we can actually start to see, you know, how real, real life essentially becomes. And it's funny you brought up Tamar, uh, Tamaron Terry, because a uh, good friend, Joe Marino, before the 2018 college season, he actually messaged me. He's like, Jeff, what is Florida State going to do with at wide receiver this year? I, I was like, Tamaron, and I actually said, I said, Terry. And he came, who the hell is Terry? I said, Tamaron Terry. Oh, yeah, found Because he quick. couldn't find anybody with the first <laughs> name. And, I, you know, obviously, the, yes, he's made a, he's made a, made a solid, solid name for himself. Um, and he was another one, you know, and, and it was almost a thing, you know, oh, well, you, maybe you shouldn't declare this class is so incredibly deep. And then you look at the next class and just as deep. Uh, Connor, last one here. Frank Gore signing today. Um, in addition to all that's gone on here, how are you feeling about your New York Jets? Yeah, it's all right. Uh, Frank Gore is good for any locker room. <laughs> I, I mean, I'll say that. I think, you know, my biggest issue with the Jets will always go back to, I just think the guy calling plays and the head coach of the team didn't show any creativity in his first year with the team. And that was a concern coming out of Miami. So 
you know, there's got to be room for improvement. I, I think Gore is really good for any locker room. He'll be great for a guy like LaMichael Pirine coming out of Florida, a young running back that I think the Jets are excited to work into the mix. You know, I, I just hope this doesn't take Le'Veon Bell off the field at all because there's no reason for that. Uh, Bell is still a really good player. And, you know, with a better offensive line this year, uh, the Mountain, Makai Becton, run blocking in front of him, Connor McGovern at center, you know, you just hope that, you know, they do make Bell still that workhorse kind of back. So we'll see. The schedule's brutal for the Jets this year. Absolutely brutal. A tough West Coast swing. You know, it's going to be tough, but it's put up or shut up for Adam Gase. You know, this, that's it. You know, seven, seven wins, six wins. That's not going to cut it for them to retain him in my eyes. So, you know, we'll see, Jeff. We'll see. I am a believer in Joe Douglas, though. Let me say that. Um. Well, yeah, no, Joe Douglas, no, no question about it. I think Frank or what they're trying to do here, and like when you said when you brought up Piran's name, is, you know, similar to what he did to Devin Singletary last year. Um, exactly. you know, it's just not Le'Veon. It's just not what he does. But, you know, Frank Orr, he's got no problem saying, hey, you know what? Give me, you know, 80 carries, 100 carries a year. Yes, I'll help the young kid. I'll teach him blitz pickup, all of this type of stuff. And, you know, obviously knowing the system because it's going to make it easier in the transition, obviously, for the younger player here. Um, guys, yeah, we put a bow on this here. Uh, absolute blast. Uh, Connor Rogers, stick to football. You know, if you guys don't know it, <laughs> what rock are you all living on? Uh, they do a fantastic job with Matt Miller. And obviously, Melo, great job. Uh, the draft coverage was outstanding. And I thought it was really just fun this year because it almost it was like the access was kind of equal. There, was, there wasn't so much behind the scenes that the bigger markets weren't necessarily getting to kill us with with the television coverage where they essentially had the edge. So it created an opportunity for everybody to put out some really, really you know, great content and basically take everything as it came and just give you true, original, and justified thoughts. Make sure you're following Connor Rogers on Twitter. Make sure you check out Stick to Football podcast you know whether it's itunes whether it's spotify just like you do for lockdown browns um this has been your daily delivery of all things dog pound lgb on the lob let's go browns